Welcome to Relatable Situations. I'm your host, Juan, and I want to thank you for joining the show. So we did it, y'all. We made it through 2019, and we have embarked on 2020. Wow. We got a lot accomplished last year in a short amount of time, covering a lot of topics, having a bunch of good laughs, shed a few tears and got to meet some new and interesting people. It was a really, really nice ride, but we have just begun. We have just started, so we got a lot of work to do. We have grown to be in 36 countries, currently in 565 cities, and I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening and staying abreast of of what's going on with the show. I took a small hiatus around the mid part of December, but I am back. So let's get right into it. Okay. So I know that with the onset of the new year, a lot of people made resolutions, whether it be to lose weight or go back to school, hopefully, uh, or to learn a new language, or for some, it may be, something a bit more adventurous, something that requires a bit more than just a good thought. So the name of this show is Getting Our House in Order. In other words, I want to try to help those who are ready to maybe purchase their first home or maybe even their vacation home, get themselves ready to do this. So I want to talk to you about the basics of getting a mortgage, uh, the different kinds of mortgage that are uh, mortgages that are available, and what you can expect in the process. I'm going to try to make this as quick and easy and painless as possible. And of course, if you need me after this, I will definitely be available to answer any additional questions about obtaining a mortgage. So your first question may be. Well, wait a minute, Warren. How do we know we can trust you with getting questions answered about getting a mortgage? Well, maybe because I was a senior lending officer for a number of years, many years, and I have a lot of experience on the basics of obtaining a mortgage. Now, that may differ depending upon what type of mortgage that you want to get. And yes, the laws and guidelines change yearly. Most of the time, they stay basically the same, but some small nuances have occurred over the years. But I can definitely give you the basics of obtaining a mortgage and what to expect and, I guess, how to prepare yourself when it comes time for you to take on this adventure. For most people, purchasing a home is probably the biggest purchase and most important purchase that you're going to make in your lifetimes. So you want to make sure that you get as much information as possible. 
So on top of listening to this episode, I want you to also do your research, do your homework. Make sure you understand all that you can about the journey that you're about ready to take. So with that being said, let's get right into it. Okay, so you want to get yourself a house. You want to you want to obtain a mortgage to buy a house. Very, very exciting time. First thing you want to do is you want to pull your credit before you do anything else. So for those who don't know, you are entitled to pull your credit from the three different credit bureaus. And again, there's three different bureaus, TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. You want to pull your credit from each one because they sometimes show different information. But you want to pull your credit and you want to find out what the potential mortgage company is going to see or the lending officer. You want to know everything that's on that report so that you can answer questions or in some cases get stuff uh, taken care of. So one of the uh, sidebar, one of the Topics that we're going to cover this year is I'm going to have on the show someone who deals directly in that credit arena, helping you get your credit cleaned up and what you can expect and how you know ways and tips on how you can get a better credit. So the thing about credit is, yes, you definitely have to have good credit in order to purchase a loan, but you don't have to have perfect credit. There's a few things that are at the top of the list when it comes to your credit. The first thing is your credit score. Okay, so I know maybe some people know what that is and some don't. And just, again, another sidebar, I'm talking in terms of in the United States. So in some of the other countries that I have listeners, it may be a little bit different. So please forgive me and uh, hopefully if you get the opportunity to come to the United States, you can use some of this information to arm yourself when you are ready to purchase a mortgage here. So the credit score, the credit score is made up of a few different things because I always, you know, wondered for years, you know, how do you get a high credit score? In other words, what is the credit score made up, made up of? The credit score is made up of a few different things. It's made up of number one, your on-time payments. Number two, the amount of credit utilization that you do. And what that is, is say, for example, you have a credit card that has a $1,000 limit and you have uh, purchases on that card that total $500. That means that you're utilizing 50% of the available amount of that credit card, which by the way, is not necessarily a good thing. The lower the utilization, the better is going to help your credit score. Now, that's not to say that you can't use your credit cards and what have you. You definitely can. Just understand that your utilization is going to affect uh, your credit score. And depending upon how much you use the credit cards is going to determine whether the score goes up or down. For example, if you are one who pays off your balance every month, then that's going to be a really good thing for you. It's going to not only um, show that you're utilizing the potential credit that you have, but it's also going to show that you are 
in a position where every month you have a zero balance and people like creditors like to see that a lot. That's how you get higher credit scores, but it's also how you get higher credit limits with the credit cards. Credit scores range anywhere from three, I think it's 300 up to 850. And ideally, if you absolutely have the ability to, you want to be in the 720 and up bracket to get the absolute best rates. That's not to say that you can't get a mortgage if you don't have a score in that range. And I'm going to cover that in a little bit. Uh, But you want to make sure that your credit history is what you believe it to be. And if it's not, you want to ask questions why. Things like, um, I was telling you what made up the credit score, the credit payment history, the utilization, the amount of credit that you have. And when I say amount, I mean the number of credit trade lines that you have. Now, what is a trade line? A trade line is a piece of credit. For example, if you have an American Express card, that's a trade line. If you have a Bank of America Visa, that's a trade line. If you have a Bank of America MasterCard, that's a different trade line. So ideally, when it comes to a mortgage, you want to have at least three major credit trade lines. Not saying that the store branded cards don't count because they do. It's just that most lenders want to see that you can handle a major well, first off, that you have one, but the, also that you can handle a major credit trade line. Now, understand that everything that I'm telling you has caveats to it, and there are situations where you could still get a mortgage even if you don't have exactly what I'm telling you. I'm going to try to cover as many of those as I can without boring you to death. <laughs> okay, so... I just mentioned that the best bracket to be in to obtain the best rates for a mortgage are the 720 and up category. However, you can still get a mortgage if your credit score is lower than that. There are different types of mortgages, and we're going to cover those. And depending upon the type of mortgage that you are looking at, it's not only going to determine the rates that you get, but it's also going to uh, determine the flexibility and the requirements that you need to meet in order to be approved. So let's talk about the different types of mortgages. There is a conventional mortgage, both a fixed rate and adjustable rate. And I'll touch on that a bit in a minute. There are government-backed mortgages. There are jumbo mortgages. And to go into each one of those, and keep in mind, all of those categories, they all have the ability to have a fixed or adjustable rate. And there's pros and cons to a fixed and adjustable rate. So let's first cover the different types of mortgages. Conventional mortgage. A conventional mortgage is one where the person who is obtaining the mortgage is not using a government backed or government insured entity. So a conventional mortgage is one where typically they want you to put 20% down of the purchase price of the home. Typically it's going to have lower interest rates. 
And it is the most traditional, I guess, way of obtaining a mortgage. Most people, when they're looking to purchase a home, they do have a down payment of at least 20%. So for those, they have this conventional mortgage product, which comes from many different lenders. I mean, there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lenders that offer conventional mortgage products. And because of it, they offer the best interest rates. Now, can you get a conventional mortgage if you're not putting 20% down? Yes, you can. Uh, The other aspect of a conventional mortgage is that you normally want to have higher credit scores because they're going to offer the best rates. They're going to save those best rates for those who are in the best financial situation. So you definitely want to have a higher credit score in order to qualify for a conventional mortgage. Uh, But as far as the down payment goes, yes, 20% is the norm. If you are not putting down 20%, but you still want a conventional mortgage because you want the the best interest rates, it's still possible as long as your credit can, can bear it. Um, but you're going to have to deal with something called PMI or private mortgage insurance. And what PMI is, is a way for the lender to cover themselves. So when you hear insurance, the first thing you think about is, okay, great. So, Heaven forbid I fall into a financial catastrophe and I'm not able to pay my mortgage, then this insurance kicks in and everything's great. Well, yes and no. PMI or private mortgage insurance is to cover the lender. It's not to cover the borrower. So it's for their protection. But yes, you do have to pay for it. So just to understand that you're paying for insurance that's going to cover primarily the lender if you default on the mortgage, things like foreclosure, basically meaning that you're not paying your mortgage payments and they have to foreclose on the home. So if you're paying less than 20%, then you will have, I'm sorry, less than 20% down, then you will have to pay PMI. So the PMI would be added to your, in most cases, added to your regular payment. So you would have a mortgage payment, which includes the principal and interest of the loan. Uh, You would have this PMI or private mortgage insurance. And then you'd have a few other things, which I'll get into um, in a little bit. Those are the basics of the conventional mortgage. So the next categories of mortgage mortgages are the government-backed mortgages, and there are a few. The first and probably the most popular would be FHA, or Federal Housing Administration. So FHA mortgages are a bit more lenient. And what I mean when I say that is, it's the mortgages that are geared for those who maybe don't have the highest credit scores, who don't have 20% to put down, who maybe have had a few dings or collections in the past on your on your credit report, in recent past, is what I mean. So an FHA loan is going to forgive a lot of that. 
with an FHA loan, you could potentially put down as low as three and a half percent of the mortgage. I mean, of the total purchase price of the home with a FHA mortgage, you don't have to have the highest scores. As a matter of fact, you can get an FHA loan with a score as low as 580, which is a big help and a big surprise to a lot of people. I've talked to people in the past who had, you know, 620 or 640 score and thought that they had no chance of getting a mortgage. Not true at all. You can definitely get an FHA mortgage. And in some cases with those scores above six, 600 at least, you can possibly even get a conventional mortgage, but definitely an FHA mortgage. The first thing that most people think is, okay, so if it's that easy to qualify for an FHA mortgage, then why wouldn't I just go that route? And you definitely can. But just understand that because it's a government-backed mortgage product, which means that it's more risk put on the the government agency, the interest rates on an FHA mortgage are going to be higher, as well as with an FHA mortgage, you will definitely have mortgage insurance to deal with. The problem with, or the one drawback with an FHA mortgage in regards to that mortgage insurance is it won't go away. In other words, with a conventional mortgage, as I mentioned, if you're not putting 20% down, which means which means that you're financing 80% of the purchase price of the home, if you're not putting that 20% down, um, you're going to have PMI or, or private mortgage insurance. However, once you pay that loan down to, say, 80% or lower, you can then submit to the mortgage lender to review your account to remove that PMI or private mortgage insurance. That's not the case with an FHA loan. Whether you pay it down below the threshold of 80% or not, you're still stuck with that mortgage insurance. So the first thought of most people is, well, wait a minute. If I'm below the risk threshold, why am I still paying that insurance? Because that's built into that product. So what can you do if you purchased a home unit using an FHA mortgage product? Refinance it. Refinance out of the FHA loan into a different mortgage product because you now have met that threshold. And because you now have, hopefully, a good payment history on your mortgage and the rest of your credit, you'll possibly, depending upon where rates are at that time, get a better interest rate. So you could save money in two different ways. You can reduce your monthly outlay because you're no longer paying that mortgage insurance, but you could also potentially get a lower interest rate depending upon, again, where interest rates are at the time that you do that refinance. With an FHA loan, you could potentially have uh, recent late payments and still get an FHA loan. Now, that's there's a... There's a fine line with that. In other words, you can't be currently behind on a bunch of debts and expect to be approved for an FHA loan or any loan. But you can have some minor misses on credit payments in the recent past and be able to explain that away and still be able to get a mortgage. So that's you know one of the big, 
benefits to an FHA mortgage. Now, there are some conventional products that will also give you a little teeny bit of le uh, leeway for recent misses on credit reports. And what I mean when I say misses is, and I'm so sorry I didn't go over this, a 30-day late on your credit report is the misses that I'm talking about. And what that means is that you've gone 30 days past the original due date of making a payment on that debt. And that applies to credit cards, uh, installment loans, student loans, any any loan where you're scheduled to make a payment at a certain time and 30 days have elapsed and you have not made a payment. So you want to keep an eye on that. But getting back to FHA loans, FHA loans are, in a lot of cases, um, easier to obtain. Less paperwork is necessary in a lot of cases with an FHA loan, but you pay for it in the form of a higher interest rate and that mortgage insurance that I talked to you about. So that's something to, to factor in. Another government-backed mortgage product is a VA loan, and the VA stands for Veterans Administration. So those loans are reserved for our heroes who have served in the military. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your sacrifice. So for VA loans, it is a government-backed loan, but it, it is a really, really good loan for those who can get them. With a VA loan, it's possible to get one without any money down. And with that being said, I need to back up a little bit because there's a few things that I need to talk about the, about the down payment. One of the products that those who are just starting out may want to consider is a called a first-time home buyer's loan. That is traditionally a conventional mortgage product where you can finance 100% of the purchase price of the home, which means that there's no down payment necessary and still get approved. A lot of private entities offer these loans, a lot of credit unions. Um, there's just a lot of people that offer first-time home buyers um, the op opportunity to purchase a home. As I had mentioned, because you're over that 80% threshold, you would definitely have a PMI or private mortgage insurance with those loans. So getting back to VA loans. So VA loans give the consumer, again, those who are in the military, the opportunity to get a mortgage 100%. And they, in most cases, avoid the mortgage insurance. So you're getting the best of both worlds. And the rates aren't bad at all. So if you are in the military and you're considering purchasing a home, please take a look at all your options because you have a lot. And that's one of the best products out there is that VA loan. The next type of loan, which is also a government-backed loan, is a USDA loan. And they used to be called farm loans. And they're designed uh, for people who want to purchase a home in a more rural area, i.e. the term farm loans. So these loans are preserved for homes that are in, you know, not necessarily 
the country, so to speak, as we say. Um, but in a lot of cases, yeah, it is the country. Some of the cases, it may not be. It could be because there's lines drawn to signify certain types of area depending upon where you are in a given state. And just because you may live inside that that boundary line, you may qualify for a USDA loan. And again, USDA loans are good loans. They, they're they more favorable in, in a lot of ways than FHA loans. They're similar with um, VA loans in that you could potentially do 100% uh, USDA loan. But there are some caveats regarding income. So you want to take a look at the guidelines and get as much information that you can on USDA loans. The final type of loan that I wanted to talk about was jumbo loans. So jumbo loans are loans designed for those who want to purchase a higher priced home. And what I mean when I say a higher priced home, I think the threshold is $435,000 and up. So if your home purchase price after your down payment is in that $435,000 and up range, then you want to look at a jumbo loan. Jumbo loans, as you might imagine, can be a bit tougher to qualify for. They almost always require at least 10% down. Uh, They want substantial documentation because, let me explain it this way. Mortgages and how they are given out and the rates are established, it's based on risk. How much risk is a company going to expose itself to by giving you hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase your home? So the higher the risk, the higher the rate. Thus, if you're doing a 100% loan, you're going to have a, potentially have a higher rate than you would if you're doing 75% loan. Um, If you have someone with damaged credit or credit challenges, that's a higher risk for a company because the thought is, okay, so you have had problems handling your finances prior to getting this mortgage. What's going to happen when you now have this additional payment? So if you are approved for a loan and you are considered a higher risk, that's going to be translated into the interest rate and you're going to pay a higher rate just to give you a little bit of background on how, how the rates are established. It's not to say that you can't bounce back from that. And that's why I mentioned earlier about the whole refinancing thing. So with um, all the different categories of loans that I've discussed, I wanted to get a bit deeper into some of the the nuances of each of those programs. For example, I touched on the first time home buyers program, which is a great program. It's a big, big help for those who are ready. And what I mean when I say ready is that you have your credit score where it needs to be, that your payments are on time. Once things like your debt to income ratio, which is something I haven't covered yet, but I'll cover right now. Once your debt to income ratio is in line, So what is a debt-to-income ratio? So if you break that down, you're talking about the debts that you have versus the income that you have on a monthly basis. So a debt-to-income ratio 
is looking at, okay, you have, you bring in, let's say, $50,000 a year. Um, that translates to roughly, I don't know, just to use a, a number. This is just an example. So don't check my math and tell me, Juan, you're wrong on your math. So let's just say that you're bringing in uh, $1,200 every two weeks, which is $2,400 a month. Okay. So you got $2,400 a month coming in and your debts total up to be $1,200. So your debt to income ratio would be what? 50%, which means 50% of your income is going towards your debt. So on top of the down payment, on top of the credit, your debt to income ratio factors in when it comes to you being approved for a loan. So if your debt to income ratio is lower, of course the thought is going to be that you'll have no problem handling this additional payment because once that payment is added in to your debt to income ratio or the bills that you have to pay out on a monthly basis, you'll be able to cover the the payment for the mortgage without a problem. Most Lenders want to see a debt-to-income ratio under 40%. So what happens to those who are a little bit tighter than that? Well, what happens is there are other factors that come into play. For example, if you have a higher credit score and you have on-time payments, you can potentially get approved for a loan even though your debt-to-income ratio is upwards of 45 to 50%, which means that half your money is going out to debts. So if you're in a situation where you're looking to purchase a home and after factored into your debts, the mortgage price and the rest of the bills that you pay, your debt to income ratio comes up to be 50%, you still potentially, potentially is the key word, could get approved for a mortgage. Now, what that means is, yeah, you can get a mortgage, but do you want to in that situation? Do you want to put yourself in a situation where you are what's considered house poor? Yeah, you got a house. Yeah, you got you know all the other little toys that you want, but all of your money is going towards bills and not much is going to other things. Well, the first thought you might think is, well, wait a minute, Juan, you said 50%, so... That's 50% of my income that's not going towards my debts. Right. You're right. But understand, I haven't factored in things like your electricity bill. If you have to pay one, a water bill, which most people have to pay when you purchase a home. Your living expenses like food and shelter. Your car insurance, which is not factored in directly into a debt to income ratio. And if you have kids, we, those of us who have children know that, that <laughs> there's no rules with kids. Things can happen at any time. So just keep in mind that you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have maxed out your income so much so that, for one, you can't plan for retirement, which will be another episode that we'll talk about very shortly. For two, you can't have an emergency. And we all know that we have emergencies. Let's say that we have a car that's, you know, four or five years old and there's a a problem. You know, transmission went up and you don't have a warranty. Guess what? 
you know, paying anywhere from 700 to a few thousand dollars to get that repaired. Well, you don't have it because you got to pay that mortgage because when you first got your home, you thought to yourself, hey, I was talking, you know, I was thinking about what, you know, one told me and I'm 50% debt to income ratio. So I got 50% left to play with. Okay. Well, now because of life, you don't have any real cash to, to play with to pay this car repair. The problem is you need your car to go to work in order to pay for the mortgage and the rest of the bills. So what are you going to do now? So now this is when things start to get a little sticky. And this is the reason why lenders tend to charge those who are at the higher tiers of debt to income ratio, lower tiers of score, damaged credit, higher rates because you're a higher risk. Because now things are getting a little dicey, a little risky. Now you have to decide, okay, I can't afford to pay everything and take care of this car. And we all know we need this car in order to get to work. So what do I pay? Or what do I, and more importantly, what do I not pay? And now if you look at it from that standpoint, it may make more sense on, for one, why you may have been declined for a mortgage application. For two, why lenders are willing to lend you money for a home if you're a higher risk, but at a higher rate. And three, why it may not be the best time for you to purchase a home. So you get, you get a lot to think about when it comes time for, you know, applying for a mortgage. Let's talk about what you need to do to get ready to apply for a mortgage. Some of the things that you want to do to get ready for applying for mortgages, I started um, at the very, very beginning, is you want to look at your credit. You want to know where the opportunities are with your credit, whether it be with clearing up old collections, paying down some of the debt on some of the revolving debt that you have out there, or um, obtaining more credit to get a higher credit score. Now, there's a whole host of ways that you can do that, and I won't go into that now because I'll bore you to tears, but there's a lot of ways that you can a lot of things you can do to improve your credit. But you want to definitely take a look at that. The next thing you want to look at is, are you ready for this kind of an obligation? Are you ready for the obligation of paying a mortgage for anywhere from 15 years to 30 years on time every single month? That's a long time. I mean, it's a very long time. So that's something that you want to think about. But once you've thought about that and you've you know, made the decision that this is what you want to do, you want to look at some of the products that are out there. As I mentioned earlier, too, they are in each of those categories that I talked about. There are fixed rates and adjustable rates. So what's the difference? OK, so on a fixed rate loan, your interest rate stays the same for the entirety of the loan. So if you got three percent. First off, God bless you. <laughs> um it remains 3% throughout the entirety of the loan. The other loans are adjustable rate loans. And the way that they work is you may have obtained an adjustable rate that's fixed for a period of time, whether it be five years or seven years, or in some cases, 10 years. The rate's going to be fixed for that period of time, and then it has the ability to adjust. In most cases, in today's mortgage market, the adjustments um, couldn't be anywhere from 
you know, a half a percent up to 2% a year, up to a maximum in most cases of 6%, which is a, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, it, it, it would have to be a lot going on in our economy for it to go up that high, but it does have the uh, ability to adjust. So you want to factor that in as well. So for those who have had uh, some difficulty qualifying for a mortgage because of their debt to income ratio or because of their credit, a an adjustable rate mortgage may be the answer to allow you to get a lower interest rate and also a lower payment. But just understand that if you're going to do that, at some point, you definitely want to refinance that loan. What you don't want to do is settle into that adjustable rate mortgage and then forget until you get a notice from your lender saying that, okay, your fixed rate portion of your loan is over. It's about ready to adjust. Um, The new rate's going to be, which means a higher payment because you've already gotten used to that lower payment. So if you're considering an, an adjustable rate mortgage, you want to, as soon as it's financially possible for you, to refinance that loan into a fixed rate. There used to be, and, and I think there's still some around. I would not recommend them at all, but there used to be a loan called a balloon loan. I don't recommend those at all, if they're, even, even if they're still around, because with a balloon mortgage loan, it's kind of the way it sounds. Your rate is fixed at a certain amount for a number of years. And at some point in that loan, the total amount of the loan becomes due. In other words, let's say you got yourself a $250,000 mortgage loan and you got it at, let's say, 3% again. At some point, that rate in that loan is going to balloon. And what that means is you'll get to um, a period in that loan, and back in the day it used to be like 10 years, 10 years into that 30-year loan, and now the balloon period comes in where the rate skyrockets, or in some cases they now say, okay, great. So, you know, the, the loan is now basically going to change drastically. And if you can't, if you can't handle those changes, then the total amount becomes due, which for most of us is is, is just impossible to deal with. So stay away from balloon, balloon mortgages if they're still out there. Um, but getting back to the typical mortgages that we've discussed, you want to factor in all of the what ifs as well as many as you can when you're considering getting a mortgage. You want to think about things like your future. In other words, what is your plan? So what I would suggest to those who are considering uh, getting a mortgage is try to plan your future out the best that you can financially. Try to put some thought into how you're going to make this work and work to your benefit. Understand that having a mortgage and having you know, ownership of your own home is a great thing. To me, it's nothing worse than paying rent month after month, year after year, and then after five, six, ten years, you got to move because you know either the landlord um, wants to sell the property or you've outgrown that location, whatever the case may be, and you really literally have nothing to show for it. 
if you could, just just for an exercise, do yourself a favor and add up what you pay in rent currently per month. And then multiply that times 12. And then multiply that times three. And take a look at that number. You might even want to circle it. And focus in on how much you paid in rent and how that's going to potentially benefit you in the future. It's not. In other words, rent is something that is, in my opinion, it's something that we most of us have dealt with, but it's something that you have to do because you don't have an opportunity to do anything else. But rent is basically you take care of what's done today and that's it. In other words, kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, I know you paid your rent last month, but what about this month? Now, that same thing applies with a mortgage. I know you paid the mortgage last month, but what about this month? The difference is you're building equity in a home with a mortgage. With a mortgage, let's say that that same three-year period that I talked about, and you've added up the number you know, that you paid into your mortgage. As a matter of fact, with a mortgage, you can actually get a detailed statement showing you how much equity you built into your home. You can now sell that mortgage, I'm sorry, sell that home and reap some of the benefits of the money that you paid into that mortgage. It's kind of the same way as you would do with your car. So imagine, I'm glad I brought that up. So imagine if you could renting a car for three years. So the difference with a home is, first off, homes uh, traditionally build up um, equity. Secondly, you now have something tangible that you can sell and get back some of that money that you paid out. With rent, not so much. When you go to leave a rental property, you just left. Thanks. I appreciate you playing. But yeah, have a good day. In the meantime, don't leave any of your stuff behind because I'm about ready to rent this place out to somebody else. With a mortgage, you have more control. You have more power. You have more future leaning income that could potentially come your way. So I wanted to give you just a really, really high level basic overview of mortgages. Of course, um, there's a whole lot that I didn't cover. Uh, There's a whole lot that I can go into detail if you're interested. Please, if you want to know more and you feel that you want to consider a mortgage, if you are not comfortable contacting a mortgage uh, lending officer, a loan officer, feel free to contact me and I will be more than happy to talk you through some of the ins and outs of mortgages. I've done it for quite a number of years when I was doing it, and I had a great deal of success. So um, I can give you a lot of the uh, basics. I can even, if you want, help you go over some of the nuances and some of the applications that you may be filling, filling out, or if you've gotten this far, the documentation that you received about your mortgage. So feel free to contact me. The best ways to reach the show would be on Facebook, and that's uh, at Relatable Situations. The next way would be Instagram, that is Relatable Situations Podcast, also on the website, and that is www.relatablesituations.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, if you have some comments, if you think that I'm wrong on something, if you have more questions about 
how you can um, be involved in this process of getting a mortgage or anything else that you wanted to discuss, feel free to reach out. And at the end of the day, as I always say, the most important thing to all of this, y'all, is to communicate. Stay on me. I will keep doing.